About 10 years ago, some college students in Jacksonville, Florida, became the funk and soul band The Fritz. They moved to a house in Waynesville and became fixtures in the Asheville music scene. Band members stopped living together long ago, and the lineup has shifted, but the signature blend of horns, keys, and strings is still there. Asheville native Daytrian Johnson is the band's new vocalist, and the Fritz's new six-song album, Take Your Time, is a showcase both for his voice and his new musical direction. What I've noticed about this album is my mentality has changed, but it didn't take away who I was inside. Like, I had to grow up and understand that sometimes my emotions will not meet my mentality but sometimes my mentality will help my emotions put me in a place of better understanding. I'm Matt Pikin. Today's guests are Daytrian Johnson and Jamie Hendrickson, the band's founding guitarist and chief songwriter. We talk about the Fritz's early years and move to the mountains, how the sound has changed since parting with keyboardist and vocalist Jamar Woods, and how Johnson's roots in gospel music are stamping a new era for both the Fritz and their new vocalist. Advertisements don't sound like ads on the Overlook. They sound like conversations, because they are. Take it from one of my earliest sponsors, Jennifer Goodier of Davidia Realty. That was really easy, and I felt really comfortable doing this ad with you. And I'm enjoying it so much that I do want to buy more. If you market a business or even yourself, make a great impression by advertising on Asheville's hottest show. You can be a sponsor of The Overlook for as little as $100. Ask to learn more by messaging me at matt at podavl.com. That's P-O-D-A-V-L.com. I began my conversation with Jamie and Datrian by asking Jamie what initially brought the Fritz to Asheville. So I would come up here to go hiking and camping. And I had friends in Asheville, and I'd never been here. So I went hiking and camping all in the Blue Ridge Parkway. And then the last night, I was like, okay, we're going to go sleep in a real bed and go stay with some friends. And I came here, and I went to Sunny Point (laughs) Classic, (laughs) and I loved it. I was like, oh, my God, this is I need to be here. So I convinced everyone, I'm like, we all got to move to Asheville. It's a great place to live, centrally located. We can tour. And everyone was graduating music school, and they're like, okay, let's do it. Some of them have never even been here. We all lived in a house out in Waynesville, and a five-bedroom, like two-full kitchen house for $1,000 a month to rent. We all had music teaching jobs, and we all quit our jobs, and we had saved up some money. But we were touring and playing every little crappy dive bar in the southeast and making just enough so we could pay all of our bills and it was amazing. It was an incredible time. It was so fun. And then, then of course, life hits and things get more expensive. It's like, oh, maybe we don't want to all live with each other forever. <laughs> and then, then it just was a very slow, gradual thing. It was like never one over- overnight success anywhere. We just would go to the same places and build it up. Datrian, you are from Asheville. Now, you were probably here when the Fritz moved up here. Tell me about your vocal life over the last decade or so while the Fritz was making their music. What were you doing? So I started when I was 10 years old 
on BET. And I was on Bobby Jones Gospel and did a tour around the United States with Fred Hammond, Yolanda Adams, Vicki Winans, and actually Kim Burrell before she became Kim Burrell. I was 11 years old opening up for this lady that now I actually probably take a lot of notes from when it comes to doing some of the vocal acrobatics. But started doing that and gospel was really the main thing. I remember a recording A&R coming up to us and she said, hey, song young man, I really think that you could really kill this uh, and we've got this music for you. My mom said, if it ain't gospel, we ain't doing it. <laughs> and I was like, well, that speaks for me right there. Did your whole uh, family grow up in the church? My grandfather actually f- was one of the first African-Americans to own land on paper here. And it was the Garden of Prayer, Cathedral of Love, Church of God in Christ, which is still standing, which has actually been converted into a house now, which is crazy. But right across the street is still that legacy of my who I am here. And I I remember seeing these cats come in. It was back then for me, I ended up going to East Tennessee State. I majored in vocal performance. My, My whole actual mindset at that time was I want to be on Broadway. Like I'd, I want to sing some opera. I'd like to do some into the woods and do some, just some crazy stuff, man. And realistically, because I grew up so church here in Asheville, it was like, I want to get as far away from that as possible. Did uh, you get away from it? You went to university, you went to East Tennessee state. You, you were majoring in vocal performance. I was. So you wanted to do musical theater and be on Broadway what happened toward that dream? What I noticed was no matter what arena I ended up playing and or singing in at that time, it always went back to my roots. It always went back to gospel. It always went back to soul. And so I was like, what am I doing spending all this time doing what's not authentically me? What do you mean um, it went back to that? Did you? Because I would think in some of these other forms of music, you would imbue some of that with the gospel within you. So w- did you just find yourself, even though you had this dream to sing this other kind of music, mm-hmm. when you say you want, you felt called to go back to, to gospel, was it the actual music of gospel? It was the music of gospel because I, I believe that you imin- there, there's a small light that triggers every time you sing. And for me, I take all of this knowledge that I've learned on my musical journey and I'm like, I'm so thankful to know how to breathe and where placement should be and things of that nature. I wish I would have took more of the skill, you know, the, the mentality with me so I could know some of these key signatures you guys talk about. For me, I'm more of a, you know, I'm, I'm an auditory, you know, if I hear it, I'm, I'm with it. But what I noticed was the one thing that it didn't matter if I was doing the Schubert Mass in G or if I was singing Georgia, the one thing that put off the most light was when I was connected to where I was centered in that gospel realm, man. It didn't really matter where I was, man. It just, there it was. So is that what brought you or made you feel more centered about living in Asheville or basing your adult life here? can't say that. I think what's made me more centered here is just the roots of who I am here. I think the music is a great vine of that rooting system, but what actually has me here and has me wanting to stay is my family started here. Families before me started here. And to be able to sing and give and be medicine to other people that's actually from this soil, it, that, that is more to me than singing in front of any audience. But 
understanding the legacy of where I come from, who I am and where I am, and understanding, like I said, that rooting system of that is, is what's kept me here. I want my children, I understand the plant may splinter, there may be some new vines, but where are you rooted and grounded from? And that's what kind of has me here, man. The Fritz is not gospel. How did the no. how did the Fritz meet where you wanted to be musically at the time where you guys intersected? I think there comes a point where you have to realize that there's a bigger musical world than even what your viewpoint is. And I think that I was stuck in thinking that there were only certain genres of music that I could sing in, that I didn't even try to put myself in another place or even think I could be in, in something like that. The Fritz definitely opened me up to understanding that this may not be your music, but your music is definitely a part of, of the, what that music yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, I would argue that it's not so obvious, but there's a lot of gospel elements in what we do. For de- sure. Definitely, and especially sure. the show is almost like a church in a way. It's like we're trying to we're trying to create like a, an atmosphere of what he was saying, like it, it is a healing thing, but it's also just like joy and a lot of stuff that you would find in mu- church music. And we all love church music so much. I mean, we could talk all day about that. It's interesting because this record, the new record that you have, does have an undercurrent feeling, even though it's very funk and R&B based. Your voice just can't help but communicate that in this music. Jamie, went from your vantage point, Jamar, fantastic musician, different kind of voice than Datrian. So when Datrian got in the band from your vantage, how did that change the music that you were making? Yeah, Jamar, his main thing, he was a pianist first. Yes. And then he he's a great singer for sure, but it's not really his main. He would always be like, oh, I sing, I'm an okay singer. He would say that. We'd be like, you're great. I would say the biggest change, Datrian is just an insane vocalist, like probably, the, without a doubt, the best vocalist I've ever worked with. But the biggest change is just like the writing process. Like Jamar is more of like a performer kind of actor you give him his lines you give him his thing and he will run with it and he will kill it whereas Datrian is just for example this is like a perfect example take your time our new single from the album take your time and realize you can get back the bridge on take your time is literally like first take improvised you know it's like a beat the demo thing we're like okay let's try to re-record it let's try to maybe change the lyrics. no we couldn't our keyboard player wrote that bridge and he was like i don't know about this bridge and my and we had it and in a logic in session yeah. and we record we recorded it <laughs> and Datrian literally just sang he just freestyled that bridge and we left it the song Already Know, that was the first song we wrote together. And I had the lyrics for Already Know, but I didn't say anything about the melody. And Daytrian just started singing the melody, like, oh my God, that's a thousand times better than what I was thinking. So just the collaborative 
thing has been so much fun and easy. We literally, even now, we could take a guitar and we could record a brand new song and most likely it would be amazing. He's very brave and I'm like, I'm not attached to anything. I'll throw out any random ideas. Daydream will just go for it and sing personal lyrics and just like, it's amazing. It's so fun. The Overlook is a daily podcast, and while I'd love for you to make the show a daily habit, I know you might have to stack up your episodes for a long drive. That's why you should sign up for The Overlook's weekly newsletter. Every Friday, get all the episodes from the past five days right in your inbox. Just go to podavl.com, P-O-D-A-V-L.com, and find the newsletter link to sign up. I began the second half of our conversation by asking Datrian if he has a history improvising his lyrics. I guess for better and for worse, that is my style of kind of writing. I agree with Jamie because he helped me adopt the notion of usually the first thing that you have is that's usually the one. And I am definitely someone that's, let's just lay this down, freestyle it. But I was, I'm a huge Biggie fan growing up. One, growing up in church where everything is improv. You go in and they're like, so baby, right here we're going to do, I'm going to walk. And you're like, yeah. And then you're like, but in between that, baby, you just let the Lord use you. So really what they're saying is you have something to say. Realistically, for me, the best part about the Fritz is the music language is so simple. Like It might not be for the listener, but for us, these guys play so well. And they're so good at what they do. It's not hard for me to add this musical braille, as I called it, like right over their melodies. Because they've already put it on the sheet. All I really have to do then is be a Bob Ross color at that point. Paint a pretty <laughs> little butterfly. And they make the canvas so great that it's it, it's not hard to add those things in. But that's even with the North Mississippi All-Stars, I remember doing a they're like let's test your mic and i just made up a gospel song and luther was like dude that song was that and i was like yeah you just made that up right now and he's like we're recording that later and it was like oh well, there might be something in this little just like what you feel and getting that out there i think sometimes you can get stuck in that because whatever you're feeling at the moment may be the only thing you write about yeah uh, so it's hard for us to get outside of that but other than that man i think it's a great way to leave it all out there you know which is what you get Jamie said you, that there were some lyrics already written for some of these songs, correct? Mm-hmm. You colored in some places where there weren't. Is there a difference? Can you feel a difference between the words that Jamie put on paper for these songs versus the words you came up with? And how did you marry up the two in a way that would come across seamlessly to right. listeners? Again, what I love about this collective of players is we're, we're really friends. Like... When we're off stage, it's not, hey, I'm not going to talk to you. It's like we're really connected. So his words are my words, because if we're working on this project that's supposed to be for these people that we play for, then realistically what you say is what I say, and what I say is what, and what you play is what I play. So like I look at it as more so you're speaking through me at that. So how can I best you know, give that to the people that, that helps them understand what you're trying to say? Do you find any connecting threads in what you ended up with lyrically? Are there certain themes? Are there certain senses of place or being that you find that you were writing about only in retrospect did you look back, oh, here's what these songs are about? For sure. This album, especially, my brother passed away three years ago Mm -hmm. and he was like, one of my best friends, got on my nerves all the time, but he was, that was my man. He couldn't sing a lick, but he could hit 
15 free throws and I might hit one. So what I've noticed about this album is my mentality has changed, but it didn't take away who I was inside. It didn't take who I was. Like I had to grow up and understand that sometimes my emotions will not meet my mentality, but sometimes my mentality will help my emotions put me in a place of better understanding. And this album has literally pinpoints that for me because it's really talking about where are you mentally? Where are you in this place right now? There's so much more going on, but have you centered yourself enough to understand that you're worth thinking about? Can you name a specific song or a passage within a song that you think embodies that? Yesterday's. Can't get them back, no. Time, it fades, but where does time go? Two days of mystery, tomorrow will never come. That's right on our single. And everything I was feeling that day was I don't want to be stuck where I was, but I know I can't learn right now and not get where I'm going. So it really helped me because I'm like, man, if I'm worried about yesterday's, I'm not going to get to my tomorrow's. And if I honestly just take my time, take your time and realize that's time I'm not going to get back. But if I can just stay in this moment, live in this moment, glory in this moment, have whatever I'm feeling emotionally at this time, if I can just have that moment to feel that I'm good. Part of being a stellar player is knowing when to lay back. And you guys create a really great bed for Datrian to sing on top of. And I think that shows a lot of musical maturity in terms of knowing when to push the music, when not to. Talk about, did you guys have conscious conversations as a band about how to play off of day training and where, when to lay into the pocket, when to let your own voices be heard? We didn't really talk about it. I think it was just very organic. And one thing though that we did kind of talk about or like for a studio album we wanted everything to be kind of to the point where come and see us live and these songs are going to be like twice as long and we're going to be coming at it more from like a like a jazz side where we're improvising we're interacting with the audience we're creating these moments and we're really taking huge risks like taking musical we'll really try some stuff and sometimes it'll fall flat and some when you hit it though it's just a classic comes from jazz and it's I love that but with an album it's almost like you you just want to this is a classic thing you just want to keep it as concise as possible and just like service the song so with everything when I was going through I did a lot of editing and we'd have a verse and there'd be all this stuff going on and I would end up like just cutting out a lot of it that's like the pro- producing side of it because you get excited. Everybody wants to like, oh, I got an idea for this part and this part and this part. And it's in the moment you're like, oh, this is great. And then you listen to it back the next week and you're like, there's so much stuff. So it's like sculpting. Do you try to be very conscious of how long your lead breaks should be? Uh, yeah, yeah, because we talked about that. There's, there's some horn solos in the song, What You Need. And in the studio, we recorded that one all together, basically live. And some people in the band were like, oh, I think the horns solos need to be longer. Because it felt like that live energy. And I'm so glad we kept it just the right amount. So if you want to have the whole, like, long live experience, we're going to put out a live album in summer. Listen to that. And oh, you then, are? Yeah, we're reco- we've been recording all the shows. We're going to pick the best ones, best songs, and put it out. And that's going to be a totally different vibe. But for this, it's focused more on the song. That must be, you have to put on a different kind of hat, in a way. What you're wanting to hear in the music live, 
sounds very different than what you're wanting to hear in your music from the studio. And the time feel. You live, everything is mm. pushed. Everything is slightly a little on top. It has that energy. And that's something that I've, over the years, tried to be more aware of myself. So when I'm having the live experience and the energy, I listen back to recordings. I'm like, oh my God, I was so on top of the beat. That was terrible. <laughs> but what's wrong with that necessarily? Sometimes no, it's you're great. playing behind the beat, sometimes yeah. on top. No, it's great. And live, it works perfectly. It, it works. But then when you listen to it back, you're like, oh, maybe there's a middle ground. But then the studio, it's a totally different time feel. The things that work, the little tricks that work live don't work in the studio. Yeah. You mentioned that the band cut this, the one track at least, entirely together. Was that not the case with all this? It was all recorded differently in different places. And like some, I'd record just bass drum track and playing maybe with some bass. So bass and drums. And then we would we're just re- relaxed, done, just like at my house. And it, and then we'd get the song would reform and be like, oh, we got to redo the drums for this now because I've, so much copy and pasting had been done. It was a journey. All these songs were like, like a living collage. And then John Modeski sent a bunch of tracks to us. We sent him tracks and he recorded his parts in New York City. And then when he sent his part, that tra- changed the songs. Yeah. So we ended up, I ended up cutting out a bunch of, parts that were in there, guitar parts, because musical ideas he sent were so strong. I was like, okay, I got to re- remake the song now. When you're working with somebody like John Medeski and you'd worked with him before, is there a certain accommodation? Like, we've got to put the spotlight on him if he's performing on our Yeah, tracks. well, we asked him to take some solos, and yeah. it was a pretty surreal experience. I mean, I'm a huge Medeski Martin <laughs> Wood fan since I was like you know, in, in middle school, literally. And I love him. So we had these songs that were, you know, getting close to done. And I opened my email and Dropbox and I drag all of his tracks in. And suddenly it's like Medeski. It's just that sound. And then we're listening. We're like, asked him, oh, can you take a solo in this song? And he sent us four takes <laughs> and each take was amazing. So we listened to it and that was really fun. It was like, oh, it was like Christmas. You're opening up a little take and you're listening and you're like, oh my God, this take is so good. And you go to the next one. Gene, he's brilliant. He had one take where he'd cr- play crazy out organ. Then he'd have one take where it was more gospel and straightforward. And it was just like, which one? <laughs> yeah. How do you make that decision? Do you talk with him and say, which one? No, do you want? We no, didn't, you know? no, no, we just, we, I, we talked with each other and I talked to my wife. I trust my wife a lot. I ask her questions a lot, but no, that was the hardest part. Datrian, uh, we'll close by asking, what do you have going musically beyond the Fritz? And how does the Fritz fit into your future of how you see yourself as a vocalist? The Fritz is definitely now the home team. I'll always come home. We've got North Mississippi All-Stars and Steve Kimmick will be doing down at Jazz Fest. And then I'm just going to do a little... 90-day run with Funk You and sing with those guys for a little while. But And lastly, can people still find you in a church singing? You better know it. Church, where can people <laughs> um, hear you? It, honestly, at this point, I'm not at one church. We've actually been talking about Jamie and I doing every first or second Sunday of the month doing our own church service oh, wow. and just doing a little praise break. But we'll keep you tuned on that. But I would, in town, Tabernacle Missionary Baptist Church is where I go and hang out. So I would go there. Their choir is much better than I by myself. So I'd go hang out with Pastor Blunt. They're, they hold it down. I want to thank my guests today, Datrian Johnson and Jamie Hendrickson of The Fritz. 
Today's conversation happened inside the BB Theater in downtown Asheville, which owners Susan and Giles Collard have been so gracious enough to open to me to record my interviews. Our theme music for The Overlook, Maker's Song, comes courtesy of the Asheville band The Resonant Rogues. The Overlook is a production of Podcast Asheville. New episodes are online by 6 a.m. every weekday, wherever you get your podcasts. Sign up for our weekly newsletter at podavl.com. I'm Matt Pikin, and I'll see you on the next episode of The Overlook.